Section 1 of A Flurry in Diamonds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Penn. A Flurry in Diamonds by Amos Chiptree. Chapter 1. I am junior partner in the house of Hopkins and Company, manufacturing jewelers, Maiden Lane. The senior of the firm is my father, Mr. John Hopkins, who established the business many years ago in a small way in a suburban town noted for its manufactures in this line. As the business grew larger, like most of his competitors, he opened a city office and sales room in room in the lane, in which, after leaving school at eighteen, with a preference for a mercantile rather than a college or professional career, I was promptly installed first as a general clerk and later as assistant manager my father still retained chief control both at the factory and store in each of which he passed a part of every day three years ago after having passed a sort of apprenticeship at the store for four years i was duly announced as a partner in the house and assumed more responsibility in management relieving my father in his advancing years of most of his cares so that nowadays he takes the world easier than has been his custom he still retains the larger interest in his concern, however, and gives the business all of the attention required of him. We do a large business in a general line of the finest grades of goods, especially in mounting diamonds and other precious stones, of which we always keep on hand a valuable stock, both mounted and unset, as the advertisements run. Though the business is not what it once was in the way of profit, and competition has somewhat slackened the hold which the old house formerly had on the trade, yet our name and reputation go for something and we manage to realize pretty comfortable incomes from it as our business more than any other perhaps has to do with the soft side of human nature and our wares appeal directly to the vanity of people as well as to the depth of their purses we have many opportunities for studying the different characteristics of our patrons and the result is sometimes quite entertaining as well as profitable as an instance of this, our house once sold, in flush times, a rare gem of immense size for $30,000, currency of the day, to a celebrated pugilist, upon whose expansive shirt front it became the envy of every would-be sport in town. It could be worn with perfect safety by its owner, on account of his influence over such people, but, in the possession of a respectable person, it would have been, like Wilkie Collins' moonstone, a dangerous gem to its holder. Necessarily, such purchasers are rare, but not more so than stones of such value. Though strict moralists may condemn the wearing of expensive jewelry, the fact remains that the majority of mankind, and womankind too, have an appetite for it which must be humored, and as it is our business to cater for them, we undertake to do it in a satisfactory manner at the old stand but all this is shoppy and not the point of my story which with your permission i propose to tell in my own way it is the record of a queer jumble of circumstances and if it interests you nearly as much in the reading of it as it did me while participating in the events to which it relates i shall be amply repaid for the trouble i have taken and propose to take before we part company chapter two one day early in may of the present year mr james lindley the father of my most intimate friend pierre lindley called at the store as he had often a way of doing when downtown 
and as he was about leaving after a pleasant chat mentioned the fact that his daughter's nineteenth birthday would occur in a day or two and as he had always remembered both his children and gifts on these anniversaries he desired to purchase something appropriate but was quite at a loss just what to select he had sounded her a little on the subject and her preference seemed to be for a pair of solitaire earrings although she was quite modest about it and did not insist upon them the old gentleman said he thought she had a fair supply of jewelry left by her mother but perhaps it was old-fashioned and come to think of it he believed that although there were a pair or two of earrings in the collection he did not remember that there were any set with diamonds for his part he did not believe in them any more than he did in ornamenting the nose after the manner of the indians but still he supposed he was an old fogey and if kate would get any comfort from owning them why perhaps she might as well have them at his request i showed him a fine assortment and knowing him to be rich was careful not to select any low-priced goods i could get no idea from him about how much he would invest in the jewels nor did he know any more than did i how miss kate's taste might run as to size or style of the ornaments he was in quite a quandary out of which with one eye to business and the other eye to pleasing miss kate i assisted him by suggesting that i should select a number of sets of various patterns and values drop in at his house during the evening and let miss kate make her own selection subject to his approval the idea struck him favorably and cautioning me in a joking way not to bring any of extravagant value and get up a conspiracy with kate to ruin him he departed satisfied to be so easily relieved of his anxiety on the question of the gift i selected a dozen pairs of the latest designs we had all mounted with perfect first water stones none of them very large but ranging in value from four hundred dollars to a thousand dollars of the pair i removed them from their cases and hooked each pair into a small piece of cardboard with the weight of stones and value of the set plainly marked thereon each pair also bore the little tag containing our private mark in number which we always keep attached to goods of this class the cards being separately wrapped in thin paper the whole were then placed loosely in a small pasteboard box which i could easily slip into the inner pocket of my coat their combined value was just seven thousand eight hundred dollars selling price and a beautiful brilliant lot of sparklers they were chapter three i had known the lindley family ever since my school days when my friendship with pierre had commenced this intimacy had continued with slight interruptions up to the present time the longest period of our separation having occurred during pierre's four years at college the intimacy being resumed again when he returned to the city to prosecute his law studies and later became settled in practice with a mr blakely his father's friend and attorney and a distinguished member of the bar i was a frequent visitor to the house after passing the nights there with pierre i had seen kate grow up from a child and noted the indications of her increasing beauty of face and figure with the interest of a brother having no sister of my own and being thrown so much into the company of this very interesting young sister of pierre's i had come naturally i think to regard her in much the same way that he did with no thought of that regard developing into anything either sentimental or romantic for mr lindley senior always had a strong attachment which i believe was reciprocated on his part towards me at all events i was heartily welcomed at his house and he encouraged in every way the intimacy between pierre and myself on the evening in question after a light dinner at my club 
I strolled around to the house, which was situated a little off from the present center of fashionable residences, although, when Mr. Lindley built it some twenty years ago, before the neighborhood began to be encroached upon by the advancing demands of business, it was quite a swell location. The house, a large double one, faced with brown stone, was not unlike many of its kind so distinctive of the house architecture of New York before the inroads of the Queen Anne, Elizabethan, colonial, and other ornate and varied styles so prevalent today in houses of the better class. But while so plain of exterior appearance, it was a roomy, cheerful house within, and in its expensive finishings and rich but homelike furnishings, demonstrated the ample means of its owner, combined with the excellent taste of his daughter, who, having lost her mother in childhood, assumed at an early age the control of domestic affairs, for which she had a natural liking and ability. My ring was answered by Jerry, a smart-looking colored lad, who acted as butler, waiter, and generally useful man about the house. Learning from him that Miss Kate was in the reception room, I went directly there with my usual lack of formality. Fairly rushing up to meet me, with an abandon which I thought, under the circumstances, was excusable, and a welcoming handshake which was assuring, she did not wait for me to be seated before she began. I'm awfully glad to see you, Fred, as I always am, you know. But Papa says you have a pleasant surprise in store for me, and I have been on the anxious seat of expecting so long, ever since he told me at dinner, in fact, that I am getting worked up to high tension. As it must be fully a quarter of an hour since you were warned of your anticipated pleasure, it is only a wonder to me that you have managed to survive at all until my arrival. So, not to assume any responsibility for your symptoms taking on a worse turn, if you will seat yourself at that table and allow me to do the same, I will at once relieve your anxiety and myself of the innocent cause of your trouble. So saying, I drew a chair up for her and another for myself on opposite sides of a little ebony table, previously removing therefrom a small statuette which it held. As soon as we were seated, I drew the box from my pocket and placed the contents upon the table, in the careless manner usual to us in the business. As I have said, they were a pretty lot, even by daylight at the store among so many others, but as they were displayed under the brilliant gaslight on the dark background of the table cover, their merits were more fully developed. Drawing back with a little shriek of delight, Kate did not appear to comprehend the purport of the display, although she suspected, I think, that it was in some way connected with her approaching birthday. I explained matters to her, and, as she seemed, quite modestly, indisposed to make a selection alone, I suggested that she should call in her father and Pierre for conference, as I declined to recommend any choice to her. This plan meeting with her approval, she rang for Jerry, and, on his appearance, sent him to summon them. They soon came in, and Kate, meeting her father with a kiss, said, So this is the pleasant surprise you told me of. Isn't he a dear, good papa, Pierre, to be so thoughtful of me, and to think that he should have decided upon the very thing I most desire? This, as if she were entirely innocent of ever having given a hint upon the subject. I arose as they approached in order to make room for them about the table, and as Kate led them up, they all remained standing for a few moments in a general survey of the diamonds. They formed a very interesting group to me, this little family, whose pleasant home life always ran so smoothly surrounded as it was by all that wealth liberally scattered could provide for their comfort and enjoyment mr lindley had commenced life a poor boy early apprenticed to a mechanical trade for which he had great aptness after reaching his majority he had rapidly advanced first to be a foreman then superintendent 
and later on a partner in the large manufacturing establishment which he had entered a dozen years before with apparently no better prospects of success than other boys of similar age and circumstances with whom he was associated he had soon attracted the attention of his employers by his marked ingenuity and inventive genius and was scarcely out of his time before he began reaping the benefit of important original inventions in the way of time and labor-saving machinery he had retired from active business several years since with a snug fortune and besides was still in receipt of an almost princely income from royalties paid him for the use of his valuable patents i see him now as he stands there with his son and daughter interested in surveying the sparkling jewels upon the table nearly six feet in height with broad square shoulders and erect figure good development of bone and muscle without much spare flesh he looks the very impersonation of health and vigorous middle age his thick dark brown hair and close trimmed beard and mustache show only here and there signs of advancing age and a sprinkling of gray rather full-faced with a florid complexion high broad forehead and large brown eyes with a pleasant amiable expression of features and easy courtly manner he is every inch a gentleman self-made and self-taught his children have inherited more or less of his qualities of person and character in his daughter this is noted in the rather high color of her complexion the massive coils of rich brown hair and so far as the expression goes in her eyes which however are darker fuller and of a sparkling brightness rare to find she is scarcely above the medium height of well-developed figure graceful in movement unconventional and charmingly familiar in her ways pierre resembles his father in many ways tall and compactly built dark-haired and dark-eyed handsome features with a cheerful sunny look about them he shows to those who come often in his way that he has been well schooled in what pertains to perfect manliness no less in a practical than in an intellectual sense they were soon seated and engaged in examining the jewels all of them even to the old gentleman disclosing that sort of infatuation which a collection of fine diamonds properly mounted and in a good light appears to have for people not in the trade expressing their preferences rather hurriedly only to change their opinions again and again finally the decisions of all seem to lie upon either one of two pairs priced respectively at five hundred and fifty dollars and six hundred and fifty dollars the larger stones being passed over both on account of their greater cost and a suspicion expressed by pierre that they might be a little loud for so modest and quiet a person as kate ahem finally mr lindley suggested as kate is the one to be tortured by wearing them let her decide the matter for herself by trying them in her ears and posing before the mirror there as only women know how to do she can get the proper effect kate complying smilingly arose and adjusting them one after the other carefully scanning the effect of each in the glass was not long in deciding upon those which i thought would be her choice this was the pair marked at six hundred and fifty dollars and as her selection was approved by all save myself who had no voice in the matter excepting to vouch for their rare quality and novelty of design i considered the matter as settled and that i had made a good sale as i had an engagement later in the evening and did not wish to be encumbered with the box of jewels i requested kate to retain them all until the next day when i would call or send for those to be returned besides i said you can thus have an opportunity of a further comparison of them by daylight and be able to more satisfactorily determine your choice this arrangement seeming most agreeable 
after cautioning Kate in a joking manner to be careful and put them out of the reach of burglars, as I should hold her responsible for them, I departed to keep my appointment, for which I was already a little late. End of section one.